Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Red Men TV podcast. Uh, Liverpool obviously got a big game in the Champions League this evening, uh, but we've got loads to talk about. So we wanted the podcast to go ahead at roughly its normal time. Uh, I am joined today by John Machen, by Ross Chanley, and by Ben Kelly for this one. And I say we've got loads to talk through. So we're going to talk about how the, the general feeling around Liverpool so far. We're going to talk about the new training ground and the fact that that's opening up, the fact that it's going to be sponsored by AXA. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, potential transfers in January because of Virgil van Dijk's injury and of course we're going to talk about the pay-per-view stuff and the food banks and the money that was raised there as well uh, but we're going to start that off today with a question and the kickoff question today for everybody I'm going to come to you first on this one Ben who was the best replacement for Virgil van Dijk that is not a footballer um I don't know is the answer, a very brief answer. Um, I think, can it be an object? Can I just put a brick wall on the pitch and just leave it there? Although Do brick it, walls get injured? Well, I mean, it'll struggle to play the high line. That's my only issue with it. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> but it might, it might, it might solve an entirely different job if we just put it on the edge of the 18 yard box. I mean, then you don't need a wall at free kicks. You can have you can have everybody else. You can have you can leave more men up front. Um, you know the goalie probably you know relaxes a little bit, doesn't need to do as much. Um, so there's less training involved there. Um, I, I, but again, it's the whole offside thing. It, it might it might struggle a little bit to just you know I don't I doubt it's very nimble on its feet. But you know I, I think I think that's as far as I'd go for now. Given that I can't really think of any other people that would quite live up to the standard of Virgil Van Dijk, especially not you know footballers. I'm really surprised you've channeled your inner Donald Trump to answer this question. Just a wall <laughs> will sort it all out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ross, what about you, mate? Uh, uh, I was at first initially picked Darth Vader, and then realised, you know, breathing issues, he can't get up and down the pitch. Um, he's probably susceptible to getting COVID-19 and the rest of the team because of his his breathing difficulties. So uh, I, I find that's a lot of baggage to be running in. That's a that's a heavy suit. Yeah, you can't, you know. Yeah. Um, good at headers though. Um, so I settled on Charles Bronson. You know, I was basically went for the hard man. You know, You've no one's got a mess death with wish, him. have you? Yeah, um, you know, no one's going to mess with him. Straight into tackles, dead hard, won't get injured. Um, you know, I don't know, he could develop his first touch probably. Yeah. And John, what about you, mate? Um, before I tell you that, I just I was reminded by Ben's comment about the wall that um, years ago when Aston Villa, I think, or West Brom, when uh, Ron Atkinson was manager, went to China 
And they said to them, did you, did you see the Great Wall of China? He said, see it, we were bending balls around it. <laughs> anyway, I would choose, if I could, Superman. Oh, okay. That would be the perfect replacement. It wouldn't be quite as good, because he's American and he couldn't play football, but <laughs> it'd, be, it'd, be, it'd be close. But, I mean, if you had to have a real person, I think I'd have to choose uh, Richard Osman, because he's six foot seven. And we clearly need someone who can head the ball. Apparently today they've, they announced that the stats for last year's Champions League and we were the worst defending corners. Really? So we I only, see we only conceded 21 corners, which is brilliant, but we conceded a goal from two of them, which, which in terms of percentage wise is, was the worst. No, so I we need someone to stop uh, people like, a team like Everton scoring headers against us. Do you not think it'd be pointless, John? He'd be pointless. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think he might be a bit old. But, uh, oh, he's got a couple of kids, so maybe one of them could do it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to steal. I'm going to steal a little uh, an idea off off John. I'm going to go with Batman because I think I know he's not a real person, but he's a real person if you know what I mean, and he doesn't have superpowers himself. Uh, and I think I think much like Virgil Van Dyke, he's a bit of a superhero while actually being a real person because he's just that damn good. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Batman. Plus is, he's got is loads he, of cool toys. He's only gonna play night games. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We need we Which need him there, and we'll turn the floodlights off as well. It'll be sound. Uh, everyone will be absolutely laughing. Um, Which okay, iteration well, into... of Batman? Sorry, sorry. Which iteration of Batman would you go for? Because there's lots, isn't there? So would you add can I more? hand this one over to John Machen because I mean, like Paul's not here it'd and I don't to, really care that much dark, about comics. It'd have to be the Dark Knight, but I, I was thinking that Andy Robertson could be Robin. <laughs> there you go, it's a match made in heaven. <laughs> new, new third kit, Robin out fifth for all. Uh, okay, we're going to move on then. Uh, but before we do, we've got a lovely advert for some brand new Red Men TV merchandise. Get your eyes around this. Hello everybody, welcome back to the Red Men TV podcast. So we're going to get stuck into some of our topics and before we do, I've not chatted to Ben in a little while, so we're going to start with you again on this one, Ben. A uh, couple of wins in a week for us, we're now joint top uh, of the Premier League with our nearest and dearest Everton Football Club. Uh, obviously, Virgil van Dijk got injured in the derby. How are you feeling now that we've got a couple of wins under our belt, Ben? Yeah, it feels like, you know, balance has somewhat been restored to the universe. Liverpool, you know, up at the top again, finally, after, you know, a little bit of an inconsistent start. I mean, there's a, there's a few things, there's, you know, for me, obviously, we would be top of the league if VAR could just do its job right and give us the goal against Everton. You know, we'd, we'd, we'd be, um, I think, a few points clear, which which would be handy. Um, but I think the, the biggest maybe concern for me at the moment is that, we are conceding goals, you know, three against Leeds, two against Everton, seven against Aston Villa. You know, it, 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 there's clearly a there's there's clearly a bit of an issue there. And obviously, I'm no real tactician. I, I think we've got the personnel good enough to fix that problem. I don't necessarily think that we do need to sign. You know, when you look at the first choice eleven, even now with Fabinho in centre half, I, I think we definitely got. As I say, the personnel in there to fix that issue um, with the players we've already got. It's obviously the depth that we've had, you know, lots of discussions about, and I think we're going to discuss more today. Um, but yeah, obviously we've got a little bit more of a favourable run of fixtures coming up. Um, I think the the positive on the flip side to it is that we're joint top. We played Villa and Everton who were up there. We played Chelsea. We played Arsenal who are both top teams, and we played Leeds who have had a good start to the season as well. So. 
been by no means a, you know an easy start to the campaign obviously I know you have to play everybody twice but you know there's favorable runs and unfavorable runs over the course of a season we started off for me with a pretty tough start um obviously the game we've lost it was maybe the easiest one that we had you know um, in in total um but obviously we got the job done on on Saturday again despite the referees having seemed to have it in for us um and I think from here now we can I said this after the Villa game, we won't have any pressure on us this season with, you know, having to deliver that first Premier League title or, you know, we, we went on so unbeaten for so long last time. That started being conversation. I feel like now we can maybe just start to quietly get on with our business and maintain ourselves towards those top two places, at least maybe, you know, maybe maintain ourselves right at the top. And everybody else, all the conversations will be like, about Tottenham and Man United and Chelsea and how all these teams are doing whereas Liverpool now have the chance I think to just start putting a bit of consistency in put a, put a run of games together where we keep winning and hopefully you know by Christmas we're looking at building up a bit of a gap at the top no, I, I agree with all that and John sort of riffing off of what Ben was saying there and, and, and looking at the state of the league and the results so far this season I mean where do you see the, the team sort of finishing at the moment I mean like what sort of points tally are you thinking the teams are going to get to what points tally do you think Liverpool are going to need if they are to successfully defend their title and who are the teams that are going to be closest come the end of the season John well I mean I'm one of these people who don't think it's going to be a massive record breaking season this time round I think Klopp talked about how you need 90 odd points to win the premiership and I think you know, you do need 98 points if you want to guarantee winning the Premiership. But, you know, I, I see a lot of points being dropped. There's a lot of teams. When you get Aston Villa, who, if they win their game in hand, will be top of the table, who were nearly relegated last year. You know, that shows you the level of difficulty there is playing now. Uh, and I think not having fans in stadiums is skewing an awful lot of results as well. Um, so I, I don't see it as a high high points finish for people. I think if you get if you get over eighty, you're in with a shot, uh, and I think we'll definitely get over eighty. Um, so you know, I think we're the team to beat still. Uh, I don't. I was really encouraged in the last two games, particularly and with Sheffield in particular, how the midfield worked so hard to keep up the defensive uh, discipline, uh, and I think that's what's needed. It's they keep saying it's a whole team game. You don't. Everyone defends. You know, it's not just about the four guys at the back. Um, so, you know, I mean, that's encouraging. And, and Klopp, as well as um, said a lot about the attitude of the players, how he's, he, he's detected this determination to to go on and win more things. Um, they're not just content with what they've got, and they're not they're not overconfident. But so that you know, they're getting out there and and doing the stuff. I would say I think we should buy a centre back. I've said this before, Van Dijk got injured, I thought we needed another one. So I, I do think we'll buy one in January, but I don't think it'll be a centre-back who goes into the first team. I think it'll be a four-choice centre-back. I think they'll use Fabinho when Matip's not injured. Um, and uh, whoever they bring in will be there as a backup. 
Yeah, I, I just follow on from from Ben's point. I think it's it, I think you bang on about the teams that we played and the, and the tough one that we've had, but it's hard for us because we're so focused on Liverpool and what Liverpool do. I think we kind of forget, and I'm in danger of repeating myself. I think I said this on the Umbu yesterday that other teams will suffer injuries. Everybody's in the same boat of having no preseason. Every you know most team, a lot of teams are in the same boat of playing two games a week. Some teams on a Thursday night and expect to play a Saturday or a, or a Sunday shortly after. You know, or in Everton's case, you know, building up suspensions. You know, people it come down to squad depth. You know, between now, between now and Christmas, people pick up injuries. I think Liverpool are in a really fortunate position the most, and we've got that squad depth. You know, you mentioned Aston Villa, Leeds, you know, Everton, you know, Joe joking aside, you know, if they lose three, four players, can they handle it as much as Liverpool can? And I, I think the argument is, is, is probably not, and that's not to say we'll, we'll run away with it. I think Manchester City is probably, you know, the only team in there that I think you could, you could probably argue that against, but even so, you know, they didn't sign a striker in the summer. I think Pep's come out this morning and said that they wanted one, they didn't get one. Aguero's reportedly out for, you know, a month or so, he may miss the Liverpool game. You know, it's happening to teams already and it will continue to happen. I just wanted to ask Ross, just on the back of that point, in hindsight now, and, you know, anybody else with some thoughts on this, do you think that maybe keeping the five subs rule might have been a good idea after all, given that you are getting a few more injuries, no pre-season? Do you think maybe the, the teams who wanted that had a point? Uh, no, because I think it benefits the teams that I've just said. You know the, mm. the the teams that you know okay that need a big argue need a bigger squad because they're playing in Europe. You know you can say that's that's a disadvantage to, to those teams. But you know if you're bringing you've got you know say for tonight for example Liverpool could have I don't know Keita, Thiago and other things available. Keita, um, Keita Thiago, Shakiri, Milner, you know and, and plus another to to come on. That they're not crap substitutes to, to bring on another team. Whereas the Sheffield United or uh, you know even possibly Everton that team don't have that quality in depth right now. So to try and compete at the top, I think it gives an advantage to you know the likes of Liverpool and Manchester City. We said about City for years, like that day with day with the benchmark. Liverpool had to get to what Man City were. Turn around, look at your bench. You know, Jot is a substitute for Liverpool now, not Origi. I, I think I'm the same as Ross. I think I think that would have been really unfair for the bigger teams. I obviously have preferred Liverpool to be able to have those five substitutes for obvious reasons because I do think it's just a competitive advantage for us uh, and Manchester City and stuff as well. I wondered whether there was something whereby they could have said like you know maybe and I don't think this is actually a possibility but like the first three months of the season just while everybody's getting their fitness levels up and stuff but I don't think that that's right for a competition that's nine months long I don't think you can sort of change the rules so drastically um, as the season goes goes along almost so for me I would have preferred to see it um, but I do think it would have really helped the teams that are playing um Sort of at the top of the league consistently and in Europe. I think, you know, for me, you know, most teams now are playing two games a week and I think that's, that's a competitive advantage for the teams at the top of the table enough without having the five substitutes because, you know, the likes of your Burnleys and your Crystal Palaces and your West Ham's, they're not used to European football. They're not used to this two games a week for however long, whereas I think Liverpool and Manchester City, Tottenham and all that are. Uh, I just want to bring it back slightly to the teams that we think maybe uh, will finish in the top four as well and will be the closest challenges. I think, you know, for me, Ross, um, I think Liverpool are going to win the league and, I, and I've said this all season long. Um, I think Manchester City are going to be there or thereabouts as always I think Tottenham are maybe one of the sides right now that are looking very very good I think I think I'm right in saying they might be top scorers in the division as well um, 
which is not something that, you know, I think when Jose Mourinho's sides start to score goals, then you start to get a little bit concerned about them because you know that they're always going to be sort of defensively resolute as well. So uh, to see Son and Harry Kane in such good form, and then and then it's to take your pick. It's whichever one of the sides below them, be that Leicester if they don't fall away again, uh, be it Chelsea, be it Arsenal, uh, you know, maybe Everton. If, the, if one of those sides goes on a good run, around the December period, I fancy them as the next best place team to go forth. I don't know what you think of that one, Rush. Yeah, Spurs was the one that kind of stuck out. You know, they got a, a nice smash and grab win against Burnley last night. They demolished Manchester United. It's a, a stark contrast to when they played Everton the first game of the season, and he just didn't look at it at all. You know, as, as good as Everton were, um, Spurs, Spurs were really poor. So, you know, Son's on fire, Kane's on fire. And again, it comes down to to injuries and, and, and squad depth, you know, the, the, everyone says the same thing about Liverpool, you know, Liverpool lose one of the front three or three of the front three, you know, who's, who's scoring the goals, was the same for Tottenham, you know, we've got Son Kane, Lucas Moore, they bought Gareth Bale, who we haven't seen much of yet because he's injured, um, you know, so if, it's, about keeping, it's about, yeah, yeah, shock, it's about keeping the, those players fit, so, you know, the momentum's with them, you know, it's, they've started from scratch this season, essentially, you know, Mourinho only came in halfway through last season, didn't he, I think. Um, so, you know, they can go strong. And it's between the others of it, ever Chelsea, Manchester United, Everton, Everton possibly, you know, they could see this as an opportunity where Man United are inconsistent, Arsenal are inconsistent, Chelsea are inconsistent, you know, you've got a really good manager, Carlo Ancelotti, as much as he's, you know, he's, he's pitched and moaned the past couple of days, I still do really like him, he's still, he's still a very, very, very good manager, Um, you know, and he's, you can, you can see he's, he's built quite a lot in a short space of time with, Limited, not limited funds, but you know, he came in and he'd have plans to get rid of a lot more of those players before COVID struck. So, you know, he's had a, you know, his arm kind of twisted in some respects to who he can't buy, no matter players that he can get rid of. He's at an early stage of their transition, but they seem to, on the face of it, done a lot more than Arteta and Solskjaer have done in the past, you know, six months. I think, um, I think for Everton and Tottenham, just those two teams that maybe we've talked about there in detail. I think for both of them, if you're looking at maybe Tottenham for the title or Everton for top four, I think in both cases, to make a top, a top four challenge or a title challenge would definitely be a year, probably a year ahead of schedule for them. Um, which I think isn't throughout the realms of possibility. But when I think of Everton, I think of Everton, I think of Leicester last year, where they were second for long periods of the season, third, and then obviously they just couldn't in that final stretch of 10 games put enough a good enough run of results together. I know the lockdown hampered things, but to really see it through. And I think that's where Everton will find themselves this season. Um, where they they might you know they might be right in the conversation up until Christmas maybe even through January and then they will very much sort of tail off and I think Tottenham are the same Tottenham are on obviously an upward trajectory they've got they've stumbled on a really good combination here with Kane and Son but it'll be interesting to see over the next 12 18 months does the Mourinho trend carry on you know we've seen the Tottenham documentary and he seems to be quite well liked you know he seems to be you know, as I say, you know, liked around the ground by the players and by the staff. But we all know that Mourinho has a three-year cycle. So by the time we get to the end of next season, is it is it uh, is he going to break that cycle and is he going to keep the team on the trajectory they are now, or is it all going to go to to crap again for Mourinho? Yeah, just on just on Tottenham. I mean. Their goals are all scored by Son and, and Kane, and Kane has made all bar one of Son's goals. So it's all down to whether those two stay fit, or Son goes off to join the army for manoeuvres again, like he did last season and probably the season before. I mean, Kane never stays fit all season. 
So, I mean, that, I think although they've made, they've actually hit on this uh, style of breakaway football, um, which is really successful when you have people like Son in the team. But, you know, it, it is down to those two individuals. And without them, I don't think they'll go anywhere. Chelsea, I think, will come strong later in the season. So I wouldn't wouldn't surprise me if they just sneak up late on. I must admit, the Tottenham thing's funny. I see everyone wanking Harry Kane off now um, <laughs> in the media and stuff because because he started playing assists. And it's like, yeah, that's all well and good, but what's he been doing for the last eight years? He's just been a selfish bugger. You you were wanking him off then for for being a selfish guy and, and scoring goals and all that type of stuff. And I, I think he's a brilliant player and I think... He, you know, but I do think at times he gets a little bit overrated by the English media because shock, he's English. Um, and now he's decided that Son's a good player, having played with him for the last four years, and has now decided to actually play a bit of a team role. Yeah, well done. Should have been doing that for ages, mate. Um, you, you, Tottenham may have done a m- much better job in the league and in cup competitions if you passed instead of shooting every time you got the ball. Um, so he does my head in, to be honest with you. Um, are there any other shouts? No one thinking Manchester United can get into the top four? <laughs> they've got, they've got uh, defensive issues. You know, there was a big piece on Monday Night Football last night, which was quite funny, but everyone wants to go and watch it. Is that, you know, they're still talking about trying to fit Paul Pogba into that side. Can Pogba play with Bruno Fernandes? It's like, how many, how many people do you need to unlock unlock this player or, you know, uh, to find a manager that will help him? You know, to to get where where he's kind of supposed to be, but like that, like that's a separate issue for me. Defensively, the, the shocking, and to try and attract players. And me and Ben have said this for for months and months on the Around League podcast. You know, as much as my United fans adore Solskjaer, if you're a player, I said it about Jaden Sancho. Jaden Sancho wasn't born when Solskjaer scored that goal in '99 Cup final. He doesn't give a shit who Solskjaer is, because why why would you? I understand why my United fans like him because he's a legend to them. But if you're a footballer, and especially if Jaden Sancho's you know talents or whatever. You want someone who's going to make, who's going to want you to progress and to teach you things, and you know his track record doesn't do that. If you're Jane Sancho, you probably want to go Ancelotti, Mourinho, Klopp, Pep. You know some of the best managers that were well, the best managers that we have in this league. Um, and that, again, that sums up the problem. They're going for Jane Sancho. Yet they've got Harry Maguire throwing you know headlocks and pulling his own play away from tackles during during games. You know, get, getting demolished left, right, and centre. It's, it's just, still not, it's not a good enough club, is it? You know, no. it just doesn't exude sort of. You know, settled and and happy. You you just wonder they bought Van der Beek and the, he just doesn't get a game and they spent forty million quid on him. Um, Screens are panicking, doesn't it? Same with yeah, Cavani. Cavani was a free agent for four Something's still wrong there. I'm not not quite sure what it is, but you get you get really poor performances on the back of it. Yeah, he like, plays in the same position as Bruno Fernandes, Van der Beek, doesn't he? It's, it was such a mad one. It's like, they're going for Jaden Sancho, they're going for Jaden Sancho, they're definitely going to get Jaden Sancho. That's all we're going to get. We're going to spend 100 million, we're going to buy an attacker midfielder who plays in Bruno Fernandes' position for 35 million. Why? To appease just, the fans, to appease the fans, because they, did, they didn't get Jaden Sancho, his screens are panicking, as I said. Cavani, free agent for four months. Okay, we're not getting so much we do. We'll, we'll get Cavani in, because he's, he's a free transfer. But if you wanted him, you would have bought him four months ago. He's not a crap player. You know, he's just do, a you, high do you really think it's to appease the fans? Do you think that's the real reason, Ross? But that's the only the only logistical reason I can think of. Was you just said, why would you buy another midfielder? We don't need to. Did you chase Jane Sancho apparently all summer? What did what did we also needed a centre back? 
Man United fans, we need a centre back. Okay, they, they end up getting uh, Alex Tellers, who's, who's a really good left back, which is you know fair enough. But you know, one thing that wasn't a problem for them was their midfield. You know, they've got an abundance of midfielders. Fred's turned turn out to be one of their better midfielders. You know, Fred and McTominay. McTominay. Yeah, Man United had a great midfield, and if they can get more out of Pogba, which I know is a big if. You know, I think Jamie Carragher's point last night was, you know, we're four years on. And from Paul Pogba being in the Premier League and we're still talking about what his best position is and where he fits into a Man United side and when we're going to see the best out of him and that's not really what you want from a £90 million player and whether or not it's down to a manager who, who you need a better manager to, to get more out of him I mean, you know, he's done it for Juventus he's won a World Cup with France so he's, he's, a, he's a massive talent but for some reason he's, he's just not He's just not, um, he's just not getting the best out of him in this Man United time. And I think when it comes to Man United now, over the next 12, 18 months, they're going to have to make a decision to either stick with Pogba or stick with Ole. Because I think either Ole needs to move him on and they need to cash in because somebody will pay for him. Real Madrid will come in and they'll probably get the money back still. Uh, or they need to move on and look at the other managers out there. Nagelsmann's out there. Pochettino's out there potentially, you know, for them to bring in. I think that's the decision that they're going to be faced with, you know, over the next year or so. Well, I, I only ask because I think it, it, I think a lot of people say that, you know, Manchester United need a centre-half and, you know, they don't need attacking players. But, you know, Manchester United scored 66 goals last season. Manchester City scored 105. Manchester United conceded one more goal than Manchester City last season and only three more goals than we did last season. So when I look at it, from like when you're in the middle of the summer or whatever, you can look at it and say, oh yeah, they need a centre-half because the big names aren't there, but they only conceded three more than Liverpool. But they did score like nearly 19 goals less. So I kind of understand why they were going for that attacking midfielder. My My issue is around whether it was, you know, I don't think they needed a, a central attacker midfielder like a Van der Beek or whatever. It was that they needed someone on that right-hand side because, you know, I think I love Rashford. I think he's a really good player and I think obviously he's a really good person and stuff. But he's not a... He hasn't been a 30-goal-a-season striker yet. And, and I'm not sure he will get to that 30-goal-a-season. I see him more as a 20-goal-a-season striker. And they never really got the most out of Martial, although at times he was that number nine last season. So, interested to hear what you think to that, Rush. Yeah, no, I get that argument, but if you look at the way that Manchester United play currently, you know, are they not scoring as many goals because they're trying to you know, defensively defend as a team, which isn't working. You know, Brighton should have beaten them. They got very lucky in that game. You look at the amount of penalties that they scored last season and so far this season as well. Um, you know, it's but that surely that uh, so that if they scored like was it ten, fifteen penalties last season, that brings their goals from open play down to fifty and thirty-eight. Tell you how many penalties they had. Yeah, well, it, it, <laughs> that's a whole different story. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, if you look at the defensive style of play and the amount of errors that, 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 that they currently have and the way that they play, I think you asked the Man United fan, you know, they want that free, free attacking football. Maybe Rashford and, and Martial aren't getting those balls that they're doing because they can't control games properly. You know, Crystal Palace beat them, Tottenham demolished them, Brighton should have beaten them, as I said. You know, that's not a, it's not a good start and what we particularly want. It. And with the defence, we know what you get is someone who's commanding, someone who can control a back line, someone who can, you know, orchestrate things. They don't have that. Bruno Fernandes is, can do it. From the style that he plays, but they need someone who's who's vocal and organises things. Well, not for me because I don't really care. But you know, if they're going to if they're going to improve, that's that's the line that, that I think they should take. But equally, you know, he spent ninety million pounds on the centre back. He's not doing a very good job. What he can't, he can't, he can't keep going through a, a cycle. Yeah, good. Yeah, he can't keep going through a cycle. Going, well, he's not working. Man City doing what he's done doesn't work. We'll bench him. You know, Man United can't continue to bench Pogba, who, let's face it, was bought for marketing purposes. That's the only reason that he was bought. 
you know, the whole thing of when Liverpool played him, it was the, the Paul Popper out on the Twitter thing. Like, I think something Poet said to me months ago was, you know, a value of a footballer isn't just the, the, their style of play, it's the brand and what they bring to it. That's why Man United bought Pop, Paul Pogba, and they're trying to sell it to everyone still that he's this, this thing. Ben, you just said it then, he won a World Cup, he won, you know, lots with um, in Serie A. Great, he had Perlo behind him. You know, and world class talents left, right, and centre. He's not had that at Manchester United, but does he need to? If you're a really good footballer, because Steven Gerrard, you know, yeah, sorry, it's me banging the table, sorry. You know, because Steven Gerrard, sorry, Steven Gerrard, you know, he's surrounded by crap, but you know, he still stuck out like a sore thumb because he was a world class player. That's what, for a 90 million pound midfielder and Paul Bogba, that's what I would be expecting week out, week in, week out, not four years later having the same conversation. Lovely though, isn't it? But he yeah. did it. Enjoy it. And anyway, let's talk about Liverpool for a bit. It's been nice talking about the uh, the other sides that are going to struggle to make top four, a la Manchester United, and the reasons why. Uh, but the title of the podcast, I think, was around the 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 the, the, the new training centre, the AXA training centre that Liverpool will be moving into uh, probably in November in the international break. So Liverpool AXA have expanded their partnership to include the naming rights of the Reds' new training centre in Kirby. State-of-the-art facility will be officially known as the AXA training centre and marks the club's first training complex naming partner. The renewed agreement will see AXA expand its original training kit relationship to one focused more holistically on training as a whole and become the club's official training partner, which is all very lovely. Uh, Jürgen's Kopp side are preparing to move into the club's training centre in mid to late November, with the finishing touches being made in preparation. Uh, the Reds will move to the facility after bidding a fond farewell to Melwood, which has been the club's training ground for 70 years, beginning a new chapter in the club's illustrious history that will see the first team and youth football operations come together at a combined training facility for the very first time ever. Uh, Keith Duran, thank you so much to the £2 Super Chat and the sticker. I don't know what it is, but it looks like they're ashamed to be in the chat. Um, but thank you so much for that. Really appreciate it. So... John, uh, Liverpool are moving into a training ground and we're going to be under the same roof as the under-23s all the way down to probably the under-10s or whatever we go down to nowadays. What do you think it will mean for Liverpool's youngsters? Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Well, it can't be anything other than a, a, a real boon for, for everyone at the club to, to have everyone in the same place, seeing the same training methods and you know, you know all the coaches are there and you get to know them. Klopp will probably be hugging them all, you know, even the 10-year-olds and, you know, the, as well as the be other 23s. I think, you know, it's, it's, it's good for the club. I mean, it's, um, I mean, one, one thing against that, you know, there was always this thing about you got promoted to Melwood and it meant something to the player. You became, you know, it was quite special to suddenly be training up at Melwood rather than in, in the academy. But, you know, I'm sure Klopp will, will devise some means to make it special when you move up to start training with the, with the big guys. 
Um, so it, it can't do anything but good, I don't think. And it's a, it's a sign that Liverpool, you know, have been moved. We have been moving in the right direction for a while. Uh, and I think all of this is a sign that we're continuing to, to get on. Yeah, I, I agree with John. It can't be anything but inspirational. You know, you, you know these these lads, youth players, are going to be mixing with you know the, the big boys, not just Jurgen Klopp, but some of the players. You know, they'll, they'll pick up on the, the same styles of playing. You know, it's easy to kind of integrate that and, and kind of what you should do. But thinking just on the back of the Iran League yesterday, Chris, and you know, speaking to George and what it's like to to be a, a young player and trying to come through the ranks and you know how cutthroat it is and how hard it is. I suppose from the mental side of it as well, they're all going to be in the same environment, all going to have the same support network. They're all going to, you know, it's got it's got to be a boost when you're, you know, if you're what 10, 11, 12, 13 years old and you're in that environment, that's only going to be a positive thing, I suppose, isn't it? You know, and you'd be able to go and talk to someone who's two years younger and talk through their experiences and what they're going through. It's not it's not safe separated. They're all they're all under the same roof and all under the same boat. No, yeah, I think I was, that's right. Go on, Ben. Sorry, mate. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I was just going to build on John's point about the obviously the graduation to Melwood. As much as I do think that that's a, you know that that might be something that's missing. Uh, obviously, I don't, I don't know. I've never played at Melwood, so I, I wouldn't know that myself. But you can imagine the flip side to that is that suddenly the whole motivation the whole time for those young kids will be, well, you want to be literally over there. Like it's, 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 you can, you can sort of spin it round because if you as a young player can always see the prize, if you can always, you know, you can literally look hundred yards to your right and there's Mo Salah and Virgil van Dijk and Jürgen Klopp all on that field and you're on this field and you want to work your, you know, the majority of your young life to move just that hundred yards over to that other pitch and then, you know, you can always see the vision and see what the motivation is. Then I, I think that's a really good thing personally. I'm the, I'm the same and I, I think that there, we will lose something for not having Melwood, but I don't think, I don't think it will be the players that ever really lose out because the facilities are going to be so good that, you know, when you've got someone like Jürgen Klopp in charge, we often say that, you know, a Jürgen Klopp and Ancelotti, a Pep Guardiola players move for that. Well, I, I remember hearing over the last few years, Manchester City's training ground is the best in the world or one of the best in the world. And a lot of young players were going to Manchester City, not because they really saw a route to the first team, but because they're going to have the best chance for success because they've got the best coaches and they've got the best training ground and they're going to be looked after in an environment that cares for them and has a route to the first team. So Liverpool having that draw of having one of the best training complexes, the most up-to-date training complexes in the world, will only help us recruit younger players as well so if you're going somewhere and, and, and yes you might go oh well, you know what they've got decent facilities or you go into one of the best facilities in the world where they really want to make that work I think as a young player you're going to want to go and play for Liverpool because you're working with the best coaches with the best facilities I think that's another string to our bow in the transfer market albeit for younger players um, and I, let's talk a little bit about the sponsorship of this then, Ross, and I'll come to you first on this, mate. I think, you know, we're seeing that Liverpool are going to be sponsored, their training ground's going to be sponsored by AXA, as I've already mentioned. Now, when Manchester United did this, I think it was a few, it was a few years ago now, and it was Aeon, and they got something like 108 million quid over an eight-year period from Aeon to sponsor it. Now, to be fair, I didn't know it was sponsored by Aeon. I didn't know it was the Aeon training complex or whatever it is. That's a huge sum of money. And do you think 
that's the way that Liverpool Football Club is going to be going. And is this the first step towards a sponsored Anfield or a sponsored stand, maybe, Ross? Um, first of all, I'm fine with the, the sponsor and the, the training ground, to be honest. I don't think uh, Kirby Complex sounds great, if I'm being perfectly honest. It's a bit of a hard sell, isn't it? Um, but the alliteration's so, quite cool. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I should have said that to them. Um, I, I think it's the, it's the way the business goes these days. You know, it, Clubs, we've said this in the past couple of weeks, clubs are businesses. You know, they're going to want to get, and especially these days, as much income as possible through whatever... You know, revenue source they can get, and that means sponsoring a stadium, uh, sponsoring a, a training ground it doesn't make any difference to me. I think it would have been slightly different had it been Melwood, because Melwood comes with nostalgia, Melwood comes with stories, Melwood comes with history, whereas this doesn't. So I don't feel as as bad about it, you know, if, if being honest. Um, and it's only going to benefit the club in that sense. Um, to contradict myself, I think probably going to feel the same if it, if it was the stadium for those very reasons, you know. Anfield, Anfield is Anfield. I don't, I don't like it when other other ones are sponsored. Maybe a, maybe a stand, you know, Annie Road. Like will still always be Annie Road to me. I don't really care. You know, if it's the I don't know Dunkin' Donuts standard. Like it, it doesn't bother me. You know, that means that uh, <laughs> maybe not the best example to use. But you know, if that if that in 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 turn provides an extra, I don't know. Like you said, £10 million a year. I think you might be onto something there, though. If you just called the away fans the donut section, that's quite funny and (laughs) annoying for them at the same time. Oh, what are you calling me a donut for, lad? You're on the donut section. Um, (laughs) Yeah, fine, just do that. But again, it comes comes down to money. I I, I do do think there's a point where you think, you know, stuff goes a bit a bit too far. Like that, I was joking aside. Like, I wouldn't wouldn't like that um, for the Dunkin' Donuts reason, but... Again, it's business, isn't it? Liverpool chose to go and do that. It doesn't really make a difference to me. It's, it's modern football, you know, and whether we like it or not, it's, it's modern adjustments to modern football. Uh, you know, as much as I like to be kind of old school, but like I'd like to keep Anfield as it is, but with the with the training ground and stuff, with them fine. John, what about you? Obviously, this uh, is all coming in the I, last twenty years. All the sponsorships. I, I, stuff, I, I'm stuff. absolutely fine with it. I, 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 I don't think anyone really cares what they call the the academy anyway. People will still call it the academy, won't they? Um, <laughs> as for Anfield, I, I would name it all day long if it means more money for the team. You know, I'm, I'm not bothered. I mean, we will always know it as Anfield anyway. The sign over the tunnel will always say this is Anfield. And almost certainly the American owners are smart enough to know that if they if they got a sponsorship, it would have to be something like uh, Anfield sponsored by. Dunkin' Donuts rather than just Dunkin' Donuts Stadium, you know. Um, but you know, it, 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 we've we've been catching up with Man United after falling so heavily behind them in the nineties, and the American owners we've got have been trying to play catch up with them. We've been getting sponsorships hand over fist over the last few years, and we're still not caught up with the United in a lot of the commercial aspects of the game. So, you know, the more money we get in those things, if it goes onto the pitch and into the manager and into the academy, then, you know, I'm absolutely fine with it. I, I must admit, like I, I'm a bit more like Ross. I'm like, no, I don't want it to be called anything. I want Anfield to be Anfield forever. Um, I could, I could deal with what you've suggested there, John, which is Anfield sponsored by. I could, I could totally make me peace with that. But um, I want Liverpool to be the best on the pitch, and I recognise that after a while, my fume would go away. So if they got a billion pounds in to sponsor the stadium for 10 years I'll be like let's just do it boys this is ridiculous we, I we can just, live with it we just have to make PPE for the government we'll soon get a few bob in for it 
I tell you what, that's a great shout. We and and you know what, we might actually deliver it. Yeah, absolutely. The DHL Stadium. There you go, delivering <laughs> delivering PPE all over the country. I've just had visions there of that of that sign and the tunnel just changing to this is the Dunkin' Donuts Stadium. I don't think <laughs> just in some parallel universe somewhere that's what it's now called. Um, oh, that would yeah, be horrendous. I I I'm with Ross. I think you know. Well, I'm kind I'm kind of with both of you in the sense of. I think if it were to change or something like that, we would absolutely still call it Anfield. And I think, to be honest, we'll probably still end up calling the new Academy Melwood, even though, you know, because that's just what we're used to. So even even though it's not in Mel, not not called Melwood anymore, it's a completely different part of the city. So I think um, I think if if a, if a if a good amount of money came along, I, I would prefer to rename a stand because we don't really have anything like that. Obviously, we've got the um, K and Leaf stand and the Cop, which obviously won't change. But you've got two stands there. I think I think Hugo Boss were linked with maybe sponsoring the main stand for a while, but that all seemed to go quiet. So um, I, I think I think those I think those investment opportunities should be considered by the club for sure. So let me know in the comments section if you're watching this live what the best name for the main stand would be. Who would be the best sponsor for the main stand? Because I think the boss stand would be pretty good. Obviously, it's not quite Hugo Hugo Boss, but yeah, let me know in the comments section. We'll pick out some of the best as we go along. Um, so we're, we I mentioned that the earlier on in the show we did briefly touch upon Virgil Van Dyke and the injury and stuff, but because I've not really spoken to you guys about this stuff, obviously we'd done the um, final word show. Didn't talk about transfer Ben I've not spoken to you in quite a while actually where are you two I think I probably know where Ross is on the centre back thing so I'll start with you Ben actually because John gave his view slightly earlier would you would you sign a, a centre back to cover Virgil van Dijk having now seen the best and maybe the worst of Fabinho in the last eight days um, I, I still would but I don't think I would cover I don't think I would sign a centre back to directly replace Virgil van Dijk I think we, me, Ross and Emma had the conversation on the round the league last week and I think for me the solution is going out and trying to find like a Ragnar Klavan who is going to be like 32, 33 years old he's a, like just the, the bog standard fourth choice centre back some would call him Dejan Lovren um, I, you know, that's that's the type of player that you're potentially going to be after in the market. But you know, now that's probably not an avenue that we can go for. I, I would go and find somebody like that who, uh, Emma, Emma rightly brought up that the high line again might be a bit of an issue that you probably would be able to play it better than a brick wall, but it's still not quite as good as Virgil Van Dijk and probably Fabinho. But for me, you want somebody who's going to be able to slot in. Um, as and when they'll use their experience to to um, you know bring keep the level at a top level for that defence, and I think that's the way we've got to go for it because I think it's going to be very difficult to go out and sign because your because your other option is somebody like a Ben White who's a young upcoming centre back because there aren't any there aren't many centre backs at the moment in the market who are prime level and ready to slot in and be it like another Virgil you know Koulibaly is the obvious one I think that would be a very very difficult like move for Liverpool to pull off so you can look at the young players but then for me if I'm Joe Gomez I'm going well hold on a minute because I'm you know doing quite well here and you know I've been a mainstay in this side for a while so what does that mean does that mean that he's going to replace me or whatever so I don't think that's a that's a friction that's worth having I think the answer is getting somebody on a 18 month two year contract who's 33 34 who can come in maybe still has a few you know a little bit of legs left and and will be able to plug a gap until either this summer or the summer after of 2022 
um, and and then you can really take some time and to plan and maybe spend you know 60 70 million on another centre back because don't forget Virgil's not going to be around forever either obviously we don't know what he's going to be like after this injury some players don't come back the same after ACL injuries so suddenly you have to prepare for all these types of scenarios and I think sign a player that's that kind of age a bit more experienced will buy us time to be able to do that uh, What about you John then? Obviously, you said earlier that you wouldn't be in the market if it was someone like a younger player who could come in. And- I mean, I, I, I mean, I've, I said weeks ago that a Clavin type would would fit the bill. Uh, undoubtedly, someone who you you could trust that experience and could come in if, if need be. I, I just suspect. I mean, I've heard rumours of this twenty-year-old they're looking at from someone like Stuttgart or someone someone who's played in the Bundesliga for a year or so, um, who would come in and be ahead of our young kids. Uh, who could probably be groomed to be Gomez's partner in the years ahead. And given that Virgil's, what, 29, and I'm not sure um, what Matip is, but he must be getting on a bit as well. Um, So I I think the club would be more inclined to do that than by a a short-term replacement, Uh, and they would rely on what they've got. I mean, Klopp's pretty stubborn about things like that, isn't he? Um, He he didn't want us to buy a centre-back and, you know, I'm not too sure that he will go out and buy a short-term one now. Ross? Well, although I would. Yeah, it's, I, I kind of echo what, what Ben said. Um, you know, But uh, again, like I said last week in the league, it's difficult when you're getting someone of, of 31, 32 to play the high line. Have they got the pace to, to counter that? And that, that, that's a major issue for the way that we play. You know, it's all right saying get, get someone else in, but you know, either I'm going to change the style of system to bring someone else in. But it, it then comes down to cost. And cost demand, we know centre backs are really hard to come by. And the price of them is ridiculous. You know, current climate, the, the, the amount of decent centre backs that are about, Cruel Barley's the one that everybody wants, but what you're paying 80, 90 million pounds for, you know, someone who's probably the same age as, as Virgil van Dijk is, is a lot of money. And equally, you know, are you going to piss off Joe Gomez? Probably not. It's, it's difficult because all the conversations that we had in the, like in the summer, like John said, was we'll have, we want a new centre back because Joe Gomez and Joel Matip aren't reliable. And Van Dyke's the one who's got injured for a long, long period of time. And there will come a point in the season where Joe Gomez and Joe Matip are both injured at the same time, and you're playing for Bino mm. and a kid. And that's the concern for a lot of people. And I like, you know, Reese Williams, Nat Phillips, um, and a couple of Cometio probably, you know, it's too much pressure for them. I don't expect them to step in and be a centre back in Liverpool's first team right now because the level that they've got to maintain and come into and the, the pressures and the expectancy on them, I don't think it's fair for them to, to come in and go and do that. But, you know, I don't know what the answer is. I'm, I'm kind of sitting on the fence on it because, you know, Ben White might be an answer, but I've not seen enough of Ben White to play. Everyone's saying Ben White, but I don't know whether he's good enough. Good enough. People say that he is, but I can't say that I've watched him loads when he was on loan at Leeds last season or equally bright in the season. I can't say I've watched loads of him. I don't know what the answer is. It's not my job to know. Um, but, you know, it was, money wasn't an object for Koulibaly, sound, but that's not the way the world works. I, I must admit, like I, I think I've said over the last sort of couple of weeks, it, it sounds like I'm sitting on the fence here, but let me expand on the point a little bit. If Liverpool are in with a shout of the Premier League still um, in the January market, I'd pray, probably err on the side of caution. If Liverpool are certainly five, ten points, I'd err on the side of co- ahead, I'd err on the side of caution. If they're not, I think buy someone. What I have realised uh, over the last couple of weeks since I probably first said that is, it's not my money, um, and. Here's the thing, chances to win the Premier League don't come around that often. Like, you know what I mean? We as Liverpool fans should know that. And if we think that this 
could mean that we don't win the league this season, then I absolutely think Liverpool should go and buy a centre-half who plays in Virgil van Dijk's position or Joe Gomez's position. And if one becomes available who's better, brilliant, of course, go and do that. But, yeah, why, why, why risk not winning the Premier League when you're in such a good position to win the Premier League because you've got such a good squad rush? Yeah, you could, you could ultimately, and the other issue is with this, and we, we said this last week as well, is convincing someone to come in and, you know, a centre-back, you know, all defenders are going to be on alert now thinking, you know, Van Dijk's injured. It's a hard sell to say to someone, listen, we, we're, we're desperate for a centre-back. Probably when Van Dijk comes, Van Dijk comes back in, you, you're not going to say it, but they're probably not going to go and play. So what do you go and do? Maybe get someone at a level who's going to replace Joe Matip. You know, with his injury record, John said, I think he's he's, th- he's out of 30 or, or 31, but he's, you know, his track record of injuries isn't great. Have you then got someone who can partner Joe Gomez, you know, for the back end, back end of the season or during this season, who can then fight for second place with Joe Gomez or, or do that? That's the caliber of player that you want if it's not going to be a short-term option. I don't know. I just had this horrible thought of us buying a 33-year-old with no pace and playing him next to Fabinho <laughs> on, the half, on the halfway line. Can you imagine <laughs> No, I don't want to, John. I definitely don't want to. OK, well, we'll move it on then. Uh, let us know your thoughts in the comment section, of course. Uh, who would you buy as well? Not just whether you would like to see Liverpool sign something in January, but who would you buy? A uh, couple of couple of shouts from the comment section about the naming of the stand. Uh, Frederick Koch says the Carlsberg stand. Now, that is something that I could live with because they've been a sponsor of Liverpool for so long. It doesn't feel like they're just in it for a cheap buck. They're just in it to name the stand. Like someone like a Carlsberg would work for me. Um, so thank you for that one. The mod father says the Paisley stand, which I absolutely love. And if it, and I just did a little bit of Googling. There is a drinks company called the Paisley Drinks Co. So if they want to put the money in to then sponsor it and call it the Paisley stand, then I think we've personally got a winner. That was the mod father with a brilliant suggestion there. Uh, the LFC 101 says the chartered stand, which I kind of get. I like that. Um, Nick Miller says the red men stand. I would love that, but I'm, I'm, we probably couldn't muster 15 quid between us together. Uh, if <laughs> Liverpool will accept the sponsorship of the main stand to be called the Red Men Stand for £15, I am there. I might even throw you a little extra. And Rock Ramzak said the Mane stands sponsored by Sadio. So there you go. That's a few of them. Which one of them was your favourite, Ben? Um, I like the Red Men stands. I mean, if we can pull that together, it's probably a pricey investment, but on the back of it, it'd probably turn out OK. I mean, imagine all around the world. Imagine saying... Imagine getting a ticket for the match. Where are you this week, Chris? Sat in the red. Mate, I was made up when we yeah. sponsored AFC Liverpool. We've still got the shit. We've got the framed shirt with us there. And that, that's AFC Liverpool. No disrespect whatsoever. We were absolutely made up. If we sponsored the main stands, get some. You made it. Page you know, you made it. You, the page at nude stand. Get selling. You know, you made, made it. it when you when you beat Hugo Boss to a potential. Um, to potential naming rights on a football stand, don't you? <laughs> I th- yeah, I think so. I think so. I think so. I've lost it. I've just had the idea of it. Uh, okay, last topic that we're going to discuss, uh, the pay-per-view stuff and the food banks. Uh, obviously, uh, over £125,000 was raised at the weekend for fans supporting food banks for, from both Liverpool fans and Everton fans in a boycott of the pay-per-view uh, that Liverpool were in on Saturday evening against Sheffield United. It's an incredible number of pounds uh, that Liverpool fans, Everton fans have raised 
there and it's just absolutely incredible and over £300,000 has been raised now up and down the length and breadth of this country in the boy pay-per-view with fans from Newcastle from Villa from Leicester uh, fans from Arsenal and Tottenham um, joining together even though their teams haven't been in these pay-per-views yet and it just shows for me John what an own goal this whole thing was. I mean, the fact that the, 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 the clubs have decided and essentially made Sky and BT put these games on pay-per-view. I mean, it's just, it was so bad, wasn't it? And they completely misjudged the mood, John. Yeah, I mean, there's apparently a meeting today, isn't there? And I've heard rumours that they're still not going to get rid of it um, even today, but um, let's hope that's wrong uh, and they do. I mean... Pay-per-view, I'm sure, is like the holy grail for a lot of people in football and in television who think that that's a way to make themselves a fortune like they do with boxing. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, I love our American owners, but I, I have not, no illusion about what they're like and how they would go, do everything in there. But I've already talked about how I think anything that gets us more money into the club is great. And, but then I'll say... That's a step too far. You know, people pay enough money already. I'd be interested to know how many people who, who see the games abroad pay any extra money to see them. I, I suspect no one. Mm. Um, it's only the fans of the two clubs involved who are actually forking out. No one's going to fork out to see West Brom, Burnley, other than West Brom and Burnley fans. There might be a few odd people who would pay to see Liverpool play Sheffield United but generally speaking it's going to be Liverpool fans and Sheffield United fans so it's only us who are being made to pay yet again on top of Sky subscriptions and you know BT subscriptions which are probably the worst um, it, it's, it is quite disgraceful but there's a power grab going on all over the world in, politically all the people who've got an awful lot of money have set out their stall to take even more off everyone else. And football's going the same way. That's all this um, um, people getting together to try and think up ways to exclude other people while they have little European leagues and all the rest of it. It's all about power grabbing. People who've got money want more. And it's, you know, people, we have to stand up and stop them. And the, the big question for me is not just pay-per-view, but how can fans get the, a, a certain amount of power to themselves so that we have the kind of power that the, the TV have and the clubs have? Because we, we should be just as powerful because we're just as important. Sorry. I think that's right. I, I know. I, I think that's right. And, you know, I, I'm just seeing the comment section there. Eric Forbes has just said one of our uh, YouTube members, you can see because he's highlighted in green, he's got a little yellow badge. Well done, mate. Uh, in America, it's $40 for a year pass, Ben. $40 for a year pass to see all the Premier League games. And, and we're not, a, we're being charged 15 quid for a single game that wasn't deemed worthy of being on the television not that long ago. Uh, yeah, I think um, I think the the phrase "read the room" I think is probably the most um, accurate one that I've seen throughout all of this. I think at the moment when you've got so many people who are, you know, first of all, it's not the same product, and obviously I know that the the product at the moment, the football that you have, Sky can't or the clubs can't do much about that. Yeah, um, I, and I think part of the problem that you've got at the moment is 
they they started off with the season with the games being free. So if they'd come if they'd come into the start of the season and they introduced a pay per view system at the very beginning. You know, forget the lockdown, the games after the lockdown. But when at the beginning of the 2021 season, you know, do you if you introduce a, a pay per view system, then does it does it get less of a reaction? Probably. I don't think people are happy with it still, but probably. The problem is that the clubs and Sky were expecting fans to be back in the ground by now, and the government pulled the plug. So you can imagine from their point, from a, from a financial viewpoint, they're trying they're trying to plan financially for the next 12 18 months and covid's come in and it's completely ruined everything but they've been told by the government by the by the 3rd of october by the sheffield united game on saturday we're expecting some fans to be in the ground so then suddenly they can factor that into their equations and they can go well we think it's going to be this and but you know so by christmas we might have this much and all of that then suddenly it gets taken away so they're scurrying then to try and figure out and i think the first month of free football was essentially done as maybe like a favor to bridge that gap between nothing and fans coming to the ground. Suddenly that was changed, so they got it. Now, for me, I'm looking at the prices, and I think, you know, given the cost to run a game of football and with all the people that all the clubs have got to pay, the clubs will be taking a chunk. I don't think it's outrageous to be charging something for the games. Um, you know, I think, to be honest, I think if you're a Sky BT customer, I think you should probably get the games already included. But I don't think, I think if you're not, I think, you know, those extra games now, it's, it's fair to pay something. £15, though, just seems like they've plucked that figure out of thin air. I don't understand where they've got that from. What you're getting for that, for that £15, you're getting a two hour broadcast with second rate Sky commentators. You're getting no real punditry. You're getting after uh, half time. You're getting um, analysis from the commentators themselves, not extra pundits like you do on normal Sky. Crap you're getting that. about crap that. Yeah, you can get that for free on YouTube with yeah. me and Paul. You get you get fifty <laughs> exactly. You get fifteen minutes about. You get about fifteen minutes after the game where you get might where you might get like one player interview. You don't hear from the managers in the broadcast. You get two hours right. The, the now TV costs ten pounds. And you get 24 hours of content for that £10. That's the regular Sky, but that's, that's what that going rate is. So for me, why isn't it a maximum of £10, this broadcast? Where's the £15 come from? Because bear in mind, I, I probably think that £10 is a little bit fairer. But even then, you're still only getting a two-hour broadcast of second-rate Sky content. And as you say, Chris... There were there were there were games that weren't deemed fit enough to for, to be put on Sky in the first place. So uh, that's that for me is where that that for me is where the issue lies. I think we're getting to a stage now where the, the clubs probably do need money, and the pay per view system probably isn't awful. But the fact that you can't mix households, so you can't watch the games with your mates, and they seemingly seem to have put this fifteen pounds out of the air. I think that is the biggest issue with it at the moment. Um, well, I'm uh, just looking now, since I wrote the agenda for this podcast, the news has broken uh, a couple of hours ago, actually, that some of the viewing figures have come out for the first couple of rounds of pay-per-view games. And um, the pay-per-view experiment has averaged fewer than 40,000 viewers per match over the first two rounds of matches. Uh, figures given to the clubs at today's shareholders meeting for the first nine pay-per-view games, not including Brighton's one all draw with West Brom on Sunday. So the average number of purchases was 39,000, which actually interesting is fractionally ahead of the Premier League's target. Um, there was one game which I was reading on This Is Anfield earlier on this morning 
Um, that is believed to have had less than a thousand viewers for. I just wonder whether that might be the Brighton West Brom game. Uh, I'd really like it to be the Liverpool game, but I, I can't imagine that it would be. Um, so it is believed that under a thousand viewers paid to watch one Premier League game as part of the controversial pay per view setup that was prompted widespread boycotts. Now, interesting enough, the Times and the Telegraph have both claimed that the suggested reduction to the fourteen ninety five will be five pounds off, making a game nine ninety five. Which is more in keeping with what you were saying there, Ben. But actually, believe this or not, Mike Ashley is actually fighting for it to go down to 4.95. Now he said that Newcastle obviously did vote for it because there was no other viable option to bring extra money into the football clubs, which I thought was quite interesting. Um, so it sounds like he's putting a going out of business sale price on pay per view games, which is actually to be believed when we're talking about Mike Ashley, isn't it? Um, but no, I mean, I think. I'm kind of like you. When you get an TV for a tenner, I think 4.95 would probably encourage Rush more people to buy the game for one, and more fans of just other clubs who might just be a little bit bored for an extra two hours of programming. I think five pounds seems a fair amount. Um, Ten pounds still seems a little little bit rich for me. And I actually I'd not thought about it, but what what Ben said about maybe they should have just give these games to the people who've got Sky for free and charge people who don't have Sky. That that sounds like a really good one. Uh, Nicarilla Grillier, thank you for the 40 squiggles. In India, it's 399RS equals £4.15 signed all year for the Premier League games. I, I've no idea what that means and if it's good, but it, it's probably cheap. Um, but, Ross, what do you reckon to the price then? Um, I think it's difficult for all the reasons that, that Ben said. We had, we had this product that was... That was, you know, essentially free and who kind of helping us out. The read the room things, the, the 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 vital part in this, you know. And I said this on a few few podcasts now. Like, we can't go to Anfield, and that's through no choice of our own. You know, we literally can't go. And I know it's not through the choice of the clubs, whatever else. This won't be forever. But and again, it's it's difficult because they don't owe us anything. But at the same time, it feels like they do. We're fans. We put uh, we put a lot of money into these football clubs. So if these clubs have just spent over a billion pounds in the transfer market and then gone, oh, by the way, we're going to charge you 15 quid per game. Well, things are that tight. Don't spend one point billion odd pounds in a transfer market. You know, what, what's 15 quid to, to, to a football club? And, you know, I read that message to you yesterday on, on the Iran League, Chris, from me, mate. You said, you know, it was an opportunity for clubs to, to recognise and, and appreciate fans. And it feels like they haven't done that. You know, this, it's, it's so hard to quick to forget, you know, without, without us, they're, they're, they're nothing. You know, we're all on hard times. We're all in this difficult situation. I said before, there's people that are losing jobs left, right and centre. There's people that don't know whether they can afford 15 quid, you know, that 15 quid that, you know, someone was fortunate enough that we could go and spend on food banks and then there's people that can't access streams that don't have that, that want to watch the football. To some people, the only thing they have in life is football. So they will pay it and they, they prey on people like that who they know will pay for football. Because that's what they'll do. That's people's escapism. That's that's what they'll do. The die-hard fans, you know, the people that will will take it or leave it or just watch it on match of the day. But you know, it, it appeared on my telly magically. I'll, I'll put it put it that way. Do you know what I mean? Because I, you know, I'd rather give me money to the food banks for people that need it. And that was the best thing that happened at this weekend is the amount of people that recognised that fifteen pound or two pounds or whatever else is better off in someone else's pocket. Now. I get what Ben's saying about the Sky stuff. I think that's probably right. But Sky and BT don't just charge for football. You know, they sell packages for, you know, TV, internet, movie packages, kids packages, sport packages, packages alone. 
you know, a plus than our TV stuff, plus they get sponsorship, plus, they, you know, they get advertised, they make billions of pounds, they're, you know, a multi-billion pound corporation, you know, why, like Ben said, 15 quid, why, where, where, where's that come from? Because they'll know people will pay for it, they're testing the water, they're taking the piss out of people, great, okay, okay, you kicked off, we'll it by five quid, that's, that's throwing salt in the wounds, you still know people can't afford it, and you still know, you know, a lot of people who probably can't afford it will pay it. You probably get, um, 24 hours television on 100 channels for like 50 quid a year and they're expecting you to, to pay the same for three football games which no one else wants to see it's a, it's a pity that some, someone like LFC TV couldn't just show the game for fans you know because it's only the fans who are going to watch these games you know because they're, they're picking the, the game which no one wants to see no, I, I agree with that, and obviously there's, they, they couldn't come to some kind of arrangement with the clubs because it was talked about when we first went into lockdown, wasn't it? About maybe the clubs sending season ticket holders links to games or whatever. Uh, I just want to say a big thank you to Sam Hamad, who's welcome, welcome as a first teamer. Um, that's absolutely superb. You'll be able to use all of the emotes, which is absolutely superb. Thank you for joining up um, with us on this journey. Your support is massively appreciated, Sam. Um, so there we go. That has been um, the podcast for this week. It's flown by. I can't, has it been over an hour? It is just absolutely flown by. Well done, everybody. Thank you very much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, we're going to see it out with a lovely little advert for a special documentary, three-part interview, in fact, with Peter Moore, former CEO of Liverpool Football Club. It's available now, exclusively streaming now on the redmentv.com. If you have ever wondered if it is a good time to subscribe to redmentv.com, it really is. This interview is and all, everything Peter Moore has done since he left uh, Liverpool as a young child, went to become, believe it or not, a PE teacher in Wales, and then made his way through his career to be the CEO of the football club that he loved. And we asked him the hard questions about all the things that maybe could be considered missteps during his time as CEO of Liverpool. Now is a perfect time to subscribe. Thank you very much. Go over there, check it out, and here's the advert for said three-part Peter Moore interview. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.